Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Good morning. Back. <laughs> Man, that song. I'm ready. You guys better buckle yourselves in. God, I thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here this morning to worship you. God, I pray that you would speak. God, I pray that you would speak in such a way that resurrects us. God, I pray that you would speak in such a way that transforms us. God, I pray that you would open our ears to hear your voice. God, that you would soften our heart so that we can be transformed by your word. God, I pray that you would give us a glimpse of what it truly means to live for you. God, I pray that we wouldn't, we wouldn't settle. God, I pray that we'd lean into you. God, I pray that we would press in to hear exactly what you want to say. Change us, God. Make us more like you. God, give us a passion and a burning to go on this journey. God, I pray that you would speak through my words this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Do you remember what it was like to become a new believer? Right? How, how long have you been a Christian for? Just about a year, Just about a year now. Can, can you guys remember like the, the first year? Right? And the zeal and the passion and that fire? How, I imagine for most of you this is true that all I wanted to do was to tell people about Jesus. All I wanted to do was to tell them my story and how God had resurrected my life, how he had taken me from this place of such brokenness and had, how he, he took me from that place and he saved me. And I can remember, I mean, even like silly things. Okay, you're going to laugh at me. I used to like line dancing. Come on now, come on now. I know, don't judge, don't judge. I even had a cowboy hat. And I used to go line dancing. I can, I can remember even like in the line dancing club trying to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> no, no, we'll save that for later. Are you going to get up here and play if we're going to go there? So not only that, I had so many different people pouring into my life. My first pastor decided to take me under his wing and and uh, he invested in me. He used to meet with me every week and spend time with me. I used to go hang out with his family. And uh, I became part of this uh, little book study where everybody in the book study was either 50, 60, 70, and maybe there, I think there was an 80-year-old as well. And I was the youngest person there. I was only uh, 20 years old. And I loved it. And they would pour into me. And I just kept learning and learning and learning. And I had this sense in my life that God was calling me, that he had a call for me. And early on, I, I felt like, wow, you know, I want to go into ministry. And, and so I spent all this time getting in his word and reading books and, and filling my barns and going to church and, and going to all the different activities. And if there was multiple services in one week, I'd go to the, you know, the Saturday service and the Sunday service and the Wednesday service. And, right? Can you relate? Like, 
in that, in that passion and zeal. But I noticed something. Over time, that zeal started to decrease. I noticed that as I kept filling my barn and I stopped going and sharing, as I was filling my barn and I wasn't pouring into somebody else, that zeal, what is that? Oh, okay. Squirrel. That zeal just started to to fade. And I noticed that as I went through my 20s, this, this calling that was so fervent within me at the beginning started to fade too. And I started to think about other things, and I even uh, started to get ready to go to med school, and I, I started to work on a master's in biology. And, and I also noticed my, my church attendance, well, I stopped fellowshipping too. And I'd go once in a while, and when I would go, I'd I just didn't feel like I was getting much out of it. I noticed that that new passion that I once had was starting to go away. Why? I think the why is because I was confused about what it means to be a Christian. I think that somehow I bought this idea that, that to be a Christian means that, well, if I, if I journal or if I read my Bible, if I go to church on Sunday and if I worship in the car, then, then I'm, I'm being a Christian. But being a Christian is so much more than that. If you look at the life of Christ... To be a Christian is to display this life of Christ to the world. Which is so much more than just a devotion. It's so much more than just saying a prayer once in a while. It's so much more than just going to a worship service. You see, at the end of Jesus' ministry, before he ascended into heaven... He came to the disciples and he laid out the mission before them to set the stage, to propel them forward into the life that he was calling them. We call it the Great Commission. In Matthew 28 and in Acts 1, we find what Christians call the Great Commission. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 28. As I work through this message, I want to give you where I'm going with this. This series is about going. The word go in Greek is is poruomai. It means to go upon a journey, to take up a journey, to continue a journey. To go on the journey of Jesus. So as I work through this message, I want to answer the questions, why do we go? How do we go in this journey? And who do we go to? In verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. 
says they went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. You see, all of the disciples, 11 out of the 12, were from Galilee. They were first called in Galilee. They first met Jesus in Galilee. All of them were regular people going about regular jobs. There was nothing unique or, or special about any of them. And after Jesus died, many of them went back to their normal life. So Jesus says, okay, I need to set you guys straight. Go back to the beginning. Go back to where I first called you. So he tells them to go back to Galilee, back to their hometown, to a mountain, where he would remind them of who they were. You see, Jesus, when he started his ministry, went out and sought out disciples. This was revolutionary what he did. In the first century, rabbis, teachers, would never seek out their disciples. If you wanted to study under a rabbi, it was like applying to Brown University. You had to have mastered the Torah. You had to have mastered the traditions. You had to be the best of the best, the most religious person. And you had to apply, in a sense, to have a rabbi disciple you. And they would even interview you. And they would only select the best. But Jesus, unlike the rabbis of his time, didn't do things that way. He went out and he sought those to pour his life into. He didn't look at intellect. He didn't look at skill. He looked at the heart and a willingness to follow him. In Matthew 11, we see a glimpse of the invitation that Jesus gave to his disciples. It says in verse 27, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son reveals him. Come to me, all you who labor and, and are heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you. You see, in Jewish culture, to enter into a teaching relationship, to come under a rabbi, meant to take his yoke upon you. You following me here? If you grew up in a Jewish household, you would spend the first seven, eight years or so of your life memorizing the scriptures. You would have them memorized. Can you imagine that? I have enough trouble remembering like 20 verses. You'd memorize it. And then you'd go to another school where you'd learn all of the traditions. Okay? And then, if you wanted to continue on under a rabbi, you had to apply for it. And then if they accepted you, the rabbi would say, take my yoke upon you as an invitation to come under him, to become his student, to become his disciple. 
And we have Jesus who's going out to the broken, going out to the people in these neighborhoods, going out to the community around him, not waiting for them to come, but going to them and saying, follow me, become my student, take my yoke upon you. Now the yoke was the interpretation that the rabbi had of the scriptures. Meaning that what was the heart behind them? And Jesus reveals what that heart is. He says, take my yoke upon you. And he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. What he's saying is this. Come into relationship with me, and I will restore your relationship with God. That I will give you rest for your soul. So he's going out and he's proclaiming this to those who are in desperate need of a relationship with God. And he invites anyone who would come and follow him to take this yoke upon. There was a saying in this time that a disciple, a good disciple, would be covered in the dust of his master, would be covered in the dust of his rabbi. Because the disciple would follow the rabbi, would copy the rabbi, would look at how he talked, would look at how he acted, would look at how he moved, would learn his ways, would learn his mind, and learn his heart. And Jesus' heart, Jesus' theology, Jesus' purpose, Jesus' mission, the thing that he showed his disciples was that he came to seek and save the lost, that he came to bring restoration. You see, at that time, most religious people thought that religion was about learning rules. It was about obedience. It was about, well, hey, I did my journaling today. I'm going to check that off. But it was even way beyond that. But Jesus was saying that, no, a life of following me, a life of living for God isn't about checking off boxes. It's about going. It's about going to those who need to be restored to a right relationship with God. Back in Matthew 28, verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went back to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And he said this, he said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. You see, rabbis at that time had to be authorized. They had to be authorized by coming under and studying under other rabbis who were renowned. And they would become a rabbi of that house. And they needed the authority in order to go out and to take disciples and Jesus is saying here that my authority doesn't come from man, that my authority comes from God. 
because I am God. I'm not only, I not only know truth, I am the truth. Jesus personified who God is, and he says, go, therefore. This word go, perumai, means to go on a journey. It means to take upon this way of life that I showed for you, to go out into the world, to go to the broken, to go to the lost, to show them who God is, and to restore them back to a right relationship with God. Jesus has authorized us to do this. He says, go therefore and make disciples. Pour into people. Allow them into your life. How did Jesus make disciples? As he went through life, he allowed his disciples to come alongside him and be a part of all that he was doing. As he went out and he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom, as he went out and he healed, as he went out and cast out demons, his disciples came alongside them and they were covered in the dust of Jesus. Do we make room in our lives for people to follow us? Are there any people in our lives that are covered in our dust? You see, this is a challenge. This is hard because our lives are busy. Our lives are so full, but we need to make room. We need to allow those who are even here, like even just starting right here, to come alongside us, to be covered in your dust, to become part of your family, to eat dinners at your table, to go out into the streets and share the gospel with somebody you don't know and for that new person to see how it's done. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Baptizing them. To get into the waters of their life. When a person is baptized and they get in that tank, they stand before a whole community of believers they profess to a whole community of believers saying, my old life is dead and now I'm alive, but I need your help. I need you to come around me. I need you to disciple me. I need you to dry me off so the waters of my old life are gone. Because my natural tendency is to go back in the tank and go under. So Jesus is saying that it's not just about the one-on-one -on -one relationship of having individuals come into your life. It's also about a community of believers coming around those who are new to the faith and helping them to stand and helping them to move forward and helping them to learn what it means to follow after Jesus so that they too can be covered in the dust of Jesus. He says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Discipleship doesn't just happen by chance. Evangelism just doesn't happen by chance. It's intentional. 
Raise your hand if you have children. Do you teach your children by chance? Right? No. What do you do? You look for teachable moments. You have things in your mind and in your heart that you know they need to know to live and walk through this life not only as a successful adult, but also as a Christian. And so we're very intentional in the way we talk, in the way we love them, in the way we show them, in the way we model for them. We teach them how to walk the right way. What does it mean to be a Christian? You see, in Grace Capital, we believe that God has given us this mission. This mission of going and creating communities. That where God has placed you right now, in the home that he's placed you in right now, there are those who live around you who need to know who Jesus is in our church right now. There are those around you that need to know how to follow Jesus. And those two collide. And we believe that God is calling us to advance the kingdom of God in the neighborhoods around where we live through forming discipleship relationships with each other and going out and meeting our neighbors and sharing that with them the good news. I got to get down. You know what? Come on now. Sharing with them the good news of the kingdom of God. Come on now. Our life groups, our little missional hubs, that God, they're like little churches. And if you're a life group leader, you're like a mini pastor. And all of the people in your group, God has assembled that group together so that you can take the land, okay? So that you can go out into your neighborhood and you can make Jesus known. And each one of us has the responsibility to start out with just getting to know our neighbors. And that's hard, isn't it? Because we're busy because we're tired, because we have a lot in our plate and we have a lot in our life and our lives are messy and we're afraid that if people see what's in our life and what's in our heart, they're gonna turn away and they're not gonna see Jesus. But God has given us authority and he has placed his presence inside of us and he's saying, I want you to go and I want you to go one step at a time to meet the people around you so that we can advance the kingdom of God to the neighborhoods, to the town, to the city, to the state, to the world. To be a Christian is a lifestyle. To be a Christian is a journey of discipleship and evangelism where the two are melded together, blended together that we disciple each other and we go out together and we go and share the good news of the kingdom of God with those who are so desperate to know who Jesus is. If nobody did that for me, if nobody did that for you, you wouldn't be here right now. 
Can you imagine what your life would be like without him? Can you even, I can't even fathom what I would be doing. I know for me, I was destroying myself. But there were those who came to me. There were those who were obedient to the command to go. Yes, they were probably afraid. And yes, I laughed at them at first. God gave them authority. And God gave them ability. And God will equip us when we are willing to step out and to love our neighbor as ourself. To show them the love of Christ. Who are you discipling? When's the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? Those are hard questions. What would it be like to have a church culture where rather than saying, hey, when's the last time you journaled? We said, hey, when's the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? We're created in the image of God. We're created in the image of God. That means God has designed us to make God known. That we have been made in such a way that who we are and how we live should make God known to the entire world. And for God to remake us. Because you know what? We're sinful and we're fallen and that has been smudged. It's been smeared. It's been distorted to the point where it doesn't look like God anymore. But God, through Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, resurrects us and remakes us and reforms us into somebody that can look like Jesus, that can talk like Jesus, that can reflect Jesus to a world that desperately needs to know who he is. That's our mission. That's our calling. That's what it means to be a Christian. If you want to grow closer to God, go. Go on this journey. Go on this journey of making Jesus known. Go on this journey of making Jesus known to each other and to the world. That is what it means to be a human being that is created in the image of God and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit from glory to glory, ever increasing, becoming more like Jesus. That's who he's making us. That's the journey we're on. That's what it means to be part of Grace Capital Church. And that's awesome. This series is about going. It starts where we are. It starts in here, and it starts with our neighbors. And then we're going to press out, and we're going to keep pressing out, and we're going to see a revival when we do that. Lord, I thank you that the mission that you've given us is so much bigger than us. I praise you. I praise you that you're not calling us to settle for mediocrity. That it's not just about checking a box. That it's not just about religion. God, you have us on this amazing mission. 
I pray that you would galvanize it, that you would burn it in our hearts, that we, each one of us, would find our one. That we would find one to pour into. That we would find one to invite in our life. We'd find one that would be covered in our dust. And I pray that you would give us courage to go. That we would go together. That we would go and share the good news of the kingdom of God. The gospel that Jesus died for this world. To restore it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 